and welcome back to Gentle Man, redefining manhood in the 21st century. My name is Arjuna. I'm your host. Today, I want to talk about male loneliness. This topic is getting more attention by the day, and I'm very happy to see that. Some are describing it as the male loneliness epidemic. And while I think that that word is often overused these days, it's as good a word as any to describe what men are dealing with today in regards to loneliness. Anecdotally and even stereotypically, it's fairly obvious that men struggle with loneliness. One trope we see a lot is married men, especially older married men, having very little agency in their own social lives and relying on their wives and their partners to provide and maintain a social infrastructure for them. Single men who are middle-aged or older are typically assumed to be kind of lonely and miserable and creepy. So it's a fairly broad social stereotype that a lot of men are put into. And then for younger men, the image tends to be more socially awkward, relationally inept, single, porn and video game obsessed, and in recent years, moving into even some radical or incel territory. So, of course, I'm painting with a broad brush when I'm relating these particular archetypes, but research and hard data is certainly backing up the assertion that a lot of men these days are dealing with mental health issues, general wellness issues, relational issues that can be summed up as loneliness. Equimundo recently released a State of American Men report that came out this year in 2023. And it basically corroborated a lot of the impressions that people have about how men are struggling and the ways in which they're struggling. So this report talked a lot about how a lot of men don't have close friendships, don't have fulfilling social lives, struggle to establish and maintain committed partnerships, or even get any dates to begin with. How a lot of lonely men are feeling the pull towards and turning to online communities, and in some cases being attracted to what people refer to as the manosphere, or manosphere content creators and communities, which is kind of a meta term for current cultural voices speaking to upset or disenfranchised or lonely men in ways that many find questionable maybe making appeals back towards more traditional manly roles and modes of expression. Some manosphere voices are anti-feminist or straight-up misogynist. Some of the most well-known content creator examples would be Andrew Tate and Jordan Peterson, who many consider to be very toxic and misogynistic in their approaches and viewpoints. So this Equimundo report is full of really good information. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes, and I would highly recommend that you read it yourself if you're interested in getting some more specific data on how men are doing in America at the moment. I'm going to quickly read a few statistics from this report that I feel encapsulate a lot of what it talks about. 40% of all American men show depressive symptoms of one kind or another. 44% of American men had thoughts of suicide in the prior two weeks. Younger men show the highest levels of depressive symptoms and suicidal ideation. So I just want to call that out. Nearly half of all American men had some kind of suicidal thought or ideation recently when they were studied. That's a really intense statistic that I want to make sure you internalize. 
65% of men aged 18 to 23 said that no one really knows me well. So an incredible feeling of isolation and lack of feeling intimately known. Nearly half of men surveyed said their online lives were more engaging and rewarding than their offline lives, which corroborates this image of men spending a lot of their time either gaming or hanging out in internet communities, taking in content, stuff like that, watching porn, etc. And finally, almost 30% of younger men reported not spending time with someone outside their household in the past week. So there are many more statistics in this report which are interesting, but these were some of the ones that really jumped out at me that I think sum up the epidemic nature of what's happening. It's clear that men are struggling, and it's clear to me that men need a lot of help. One thing that stands out to me as well is how much men are struggling in spite of their privilege. And it leads me to wonder if that could be rephrased to men struggling because of their privilege. Or perhaps another way to say it is one of the many effects of a patriarchal or male-dominant culture is depressed, sad, and unhappy men. That's a big topic I'm not going to go deeper into right now, but something to think about. So before I get into ways that men can approach dealing with this and trying to improve their situation, trying to improve their lives and their mental health, it's important for us to understand why this is happening in the first place. What are the causative factors that are leading to men feeling so lonely and so isolated? This is a big topic, and I'm not going to claim to be providing any kind of comprehensive overview of it. Rather, I'm going to dive into some of the things I see that are contributing to this for men. So broadly speaking, one of the main issues I see is men lacking soft skills. Soft skills tend to be relational skills. They tend to be skills that rely on emotional intelligence. They tend to be skills that people develop when spending time with other people. So men are generally encouraged to and historically have been encouraged to invest in hard skills, education, trade skills, labor skills. Skills that are generally focused on either producing work or producing money or resources of some kind. There has been an underemphasis for men on developing relational skills, organizational skills, emotional skills, nurturing skills, skills focused on producing healthy relationships, and skills focused on producing healthy people. Women have traditionally been expected to build those skills and play that role in society, in families, in relationships. And on the macro level, what this leads to is men being bad at relationships. And this is relationships of all kinds, friendships, romantic relationships, parenting relationships, organizational relationships. All of these kind of relationships rely upon skill sets that are every bit as nuanced as any other professional craft trade skill set might be. And the skill sets are developed through experience just like any other skill set. And so oftentimes what we'll find is that men will go a certain amount of the way through their lives, focusing on building the skill sets that they're encouraged to build, and probably to a certain extent relying on women in their lives or just relying on other people in their lives to fill in these soft skill sets that they're lacking or to work around them. 
And because of the way society is configured, this often works well enough for men that they're able to get some amount of the way into their adulthoods before they come up against their lack of soft skills. And usually what shines a light on the lacking of these skills is some kind of crisis in a man's life. So maybe it's a divorce or separating from a really important long-term partnership that a man discovers he's really been relying on. Or maybe a man has a health crisis or a professional crisis or a mental health crisis or a crisis of faith. Men will suddenly find themselves in a position where they're needing a lot more help or they're needing a lot more support than they have in the past. And realizing that they don't have the skills or the relationships that they need to navigate it. So there's two big parts I see to this. One is lacking skills and the other is lacking infrastructure. And when I say infrastructure, I'm largely referring to a relational infrastructure. This is a system of or a network of relationships upon which a person can rely to get their various needs met. So examples of relational infrastructures would be solid family relationships and a healthy family life, church community or other kinds of spiritual communities. Sometimes people have strong relationships and networks with their co-workers or other professionals they work with. It could be a group of friends. Maybe you have your own cheers group that you hang out with every week or whatever. Some people spend a lot of time with their neighbors and people who live physically close to them. Or maybe you have a hobby that you're into and you have some ongoing friendships and relationships as a result of your participation in that hobby. So any number of these things or a combination of them can create an infrastructure. And one of the benefits of having this infrastructure is that when something goes wrong in your life, you have people to call upon. And too often what happens with men is that they'll lack the soft skills to develop a rich and strong and resilient infrastructure. And then when it comes time for them to reach out for extra support in their lives, they might find themselves with very few people they can turn to and very little idea about what to do about it. Very little idea about how to build or find or nurture those relationships. I was having a conversation recently with a friend who is anticipating that this next year or a handful of years of his life are going to be quite challenging. He's going to be making some big changes in his life. And he was having this realization that he's going to need to be more active in building and maintaining his own relationship infrastructures to get him through this time. It was actually a really cool conversation where we were able to, in a really intentional way, highlight some of the things that he's going to need that he doesn't currently have and hopefully give him a head start on working on that before he ends up too deep in a hole. I think what happens is a lot of times men will be trucking along and difficult things will happen and they'll start to get impacted, but they'll kind of soldier on and work through it and eventually they'll reach some kind of rock bottom. And then unfortunately, when you're there, that's usually when you have the least resource to be proactive about changing it. And so what I admired about my friend was that he was anticipating from a place of not being at rock bottom, he was anticipating needing to get started now so that he could build up some of that network of resiliency that might support him during times when he's not as resourced, when he doesn't have as much energy, perhaps when his mental health is more impacted by the circumstances in his life. 
So I thought that was a really cool conversation. And I think more men need to have those kinds of conversations when maybe men get laid off or they have a big injury or they discover a big health issue or they're having a midlife crisis or they're having a divorce. When these things present themselves or when they're approaching on the horizon, that's a really important time for a man to say, okay, I need to reach out to my friends. I need to reach out to my family. Maybe I need to get a therapist or maybe I need to talk to my existing therapist about this. Certainly any self-care professionals that you have in your life need to know about stuff like this so that they can support you. And I think this is one of the reasons that women's suicide statistics are so much lower than men's is that women tend to be better at navigating and building and maintaining these kind of infrastructures. So let's go a little bit more into why men tend not to do this naturally. One of the reasons is that for a lot of men, emotional depth and vulnerability are missing from their relationships. Their relationships with other men tend to be activity-based. Their relationships with women tend to be more based around romance and attraction. And men often find themselves only really having one or two outlets in their lives where they're able to express vulnerability and able to have any kind of depth in their relationships. But some men don't have any, even men who maybe have good family relationships and have an established romantic partner, maybe those men still don't feel comfortable being vulnerable, either because it's not a skill that they've developed or because due to their past experience, they feel like they're not safe to be that way. So building emotional depth and the ability to be vulnerable is one of the most important parts of developing deeper relationships. If, for example, you have a group of guys that you play basketball with every Tuesday and all of your conversations revolve around sports and cracking jokes, talking about pop culture and fluffy stuff, then if you suddenly come to that group of guys saying, hey, I'm having a lot of trouble in my life right now and I really need some help, there's no real precedent established for that kind of conversation. And so a lot of men will find themselves in this position where either they don't even feel comfortable bringing it up in the first place, or they do bring it up and it's not met very well because it just hasn't been the norm of those relationships. Those relationships have been focused on something else. So finding relationships where that kind of depth can be explored is really, really important. And it takes time and trust to build those relationships. They don't happen overnight usually. Another thing that's missing for a lot of men is training around and the ability to do emotional labor. So a large amount of what keeps relationships together is emotional labor. If you're not familiar with this term, it's worth looking up and spending some more time reading about. But in this context, it basically means the work of staying in touch with people and the work of maintaining communication, which is the foundation for relationships with other people. So emotional labor can be as simple as just reaching out to someone saying, hey, I miss you, I want to hang out. It can be 
taking a picture of something that you think another person would like and sending it to them. Classic examples of emotional labor that often get brought up in feminist spaces would be things like sending Christmas cards to a man's family or being the person who organizes a holiday event, like the person who reaches out to make sure everyone's coming to Thanksgiving and coordinates who's cooking what and coordinates other logistics like who's going to take care of the kids, who has special needs, being tactful around the state of different relationships that might be kind of dicey and difficult. So there's a lot of navigation and negotiation and communication that has to happen in order to pull something like that together. And a lot of men not only aren't involved in doing that stuff, but they're often oblivious to the amount of work it takes to do all of that. And they certainly wouldn't have the first idea about how to go about it if the responsibility were to fall on them. So relationships take an amount of emotional labor to maintain, and a lot of men aren't very good at it. And this often results in men being isolated because they're not reaching out to their friends, they're not maintaining touch points with their friends, they're not giving each other that much to work with. And so you can't expect a relationship to be close and to be intimate when you're just not giving it that much. This also results in the classic case of a man being in a relationship with a woman who's doing a lot of that stuff, and then the relationship fails, and the man finds himself alone, and only then does he realize that most or all of that work was being done by his partner, and suddenly he finds himself friendless, or he finds himself feeling really awkward about continuing relationships that to a large extent were being maintained by his female partner. So emotional labor is a big deal. It's something that men really need to learn about and start to get on top of. Another thing that men deal with is being bad at asking for help. At its core, it comes from the idea that men are or should be invulnerable and the idea that men shouldn't need help or that they don't need help. And as a consequence, any man who does need help must be defective in some way. He must be weak. He must be not meeting the bar or meeting the standard. He must be falling short in some way that men aren't supposed to fall short. And so this unconscious bias, this unconscious programming will often lead to men not naming their issues and not asking for help in situations when they really need it. This results in a lot of harm for men. I mean, obviously, the first layer is just simply that they don't get the help they need because they don't ask anyone for it. But it goes even deeper than that. When you don't ask people for help, you tend to isolate yourself. It turns out that helping people is a great way to develop intimacy. If someone reaches out to you and they say, hey, I need help with something, they're doing a couple of things. One of the things is that they're showing you respect. They're saying, I think that you have something to offer me. And so that's reinforcing of whatever skill or whatever good quality you're bringing in the world to have someone acknowledge that in you. Another thing is that it shows vulnerability. And when someone shows you vulnerability, it's an intimate act. It's an act of trust. And so if someone reaches out to you for help, it also shows that they trust you. Help is also just another way that people can show up for each other. So it diversifies the kinds of activities that you're doing with someone. Let's say, for example, you have a jogging partner and the only thing you do together is you go jogging a couple of times a week. But then that person asks you to help them build their deck or they need help moving something. And you say, okay, and you show up. Now, all of a sudden, you've diversified the activities in your relationship and you're that much closer to having a rich relationship with someone, a relationship that's multifaceted. 
And if you end up helping someone out, you cultivate gratitude in that person. And gratitude is kind of like love. Gratitude is a warm and fuzzy feeling, which tends to make people feel connected. And so if you've helped someone out, especially if you've helped them out a lot, then it's a way to cultivate a certain type of love in the relationship. And that person will be more likely to show up for you when you need help. So asking for help does a lot more than just getting you something that you need. It can be approached in a transactional way, but that's really sidestepping a lot of the richness and the depth of what help actually is and what it can lead to. So because men struggle to ask for help, they're often closing off valuable opportunities to develop intimacy and gratitude and richness in their relationships. Another thing that men struggle with is that they're just not very good at self-care. And so one thing you'll see with women, and of course, this is a generalization, this is not always true, but a lot of women are a little bit more focused on self-care. And so let's say they have an evening to themselves. Maybe they wish that they had someone to reach out to, but they don't in the moment. But you'll still tend to see women in that situation being better at taking care of themselves. So they might still pour themselves a glass of wine, watch a show they like, take a bath, do something relaxing with their free time, try to do something pleasurable that makes them feel good. Women are more likely to do this kind of thing in their personal space and with their personal time. Whereas men, when they're alone and maybe feeling lonely or feeling like they don't have as many options, will be more likely to do something dissociative, like playing a video game or watching porn or doing an activity which passes the time but which isn't actually relaxing them or contributing to their overall well-being. So these are just some of the reasons that I'm seeing that men are finding themselves very lonely and very depressed and somewhat bewildered about why and what to do about it. If you've been enjoying the Gentleman podcast, I'd like to ask you for your help. Growing a community and an online presence takes a lot of participation from listeners such as yourself. Help me out by doing one of the following. Leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen. Recommending it via word of mouth to your friends and family is another massive way that you can help this podcast grow. Following on social media and liking the content, Gentleman Podcast is our Instagram handle. You can also find us on YouTube at Gentleman Podcast, three words. I really appreciate your help and your support. It's one of the things that will help me to keep making this content and to keep making it better. Thank you. Okay, so we've identified some of the structural and behavioral challenges that men are dealing with. Now let's talk about proactive things that men can do to address the issue. So the first thing that men need to focus on is talking to people. This is a really basic but important way that men can start to deepen the relationships in their lives and start doing some of that emotional labor I was talking about earlier. So pick up your phone and start sending texts. Hey, this thing reminded me of you. Or when do you want to hang out again? Or I saw so-and-so movies about to release. Do you want to come over and watch it? Or do you want to go to the theater? Stuff like that. These very basic touchstones can go a long way towards building and maintaining relationships. And what you're going to find is that the people who are excited to go deeper with you will be responsive and they'll be really happy. And then some people won't be very responsive. And that may not necessarily mean anything, but it may be part of your process of weeding out people who don't really want to go deeper with you. Organically, you're going to move in the direction of spending more time and building relationships with people who are mutually interested in you. 
So get talking, get communicating, get interacting. That's a really big deal. The second thing is that you're going to need to get out of the house. There's no way around this. I don't care how satisfying your friendships are with your gamer friends, or if you've got some Zoom group that you meet with every once in a while, or maybe you do just really enjoy binge watching Netflix. And that's all well and good. But if you're not leaving your house, I almost guarantee that you're suffering from some kind of depression, and the isolation of that will start to impact you. It's really remarkable how even something as simple as just taking a walk can profoundly improve your well-being. And that's still something you're doing by yourself. But just getting out of the house for something other than going to work or getting groceries or something you absolutely need to do is really important. So making plans with friends that you already have is a great thing to do. And just be straight up with them. I'm going crazy hanging out in my house. Let's just go and do anything else. What do you suggest? What do you want to do? Now, if you don't have any friends to reach out to, then it's time to assess your interests. What do I like to do? Am I into fitness? Am I into gaming? Am I into dancing? Do I like brewing beer? Maybe I need to go and hang out at the brew pub and chat with people about beer. Mutual shared interest is one of the easiest ways to find and make new friends because you already have something to talk about. And people are typically more compelling and interesting and funny and insightful and all of the things that other people like when they're talking about things they're really interested in. So for me, some of the ways that I've met new people that have really changed my life, and I mean completely transformed my life, are dancing, tabletop gaming, I've met a lot of really cool friends playing Magic the Gathering, which is a game I really enjoy. There was a time when I was really into attending poetry slams because I'm a poet and I like poetry. I developed a lot of community from doing that. I also joined a community band when I first moved to the town that I live in. There was a band that was open to basically anyone with drumming experience to join, and I had played the drums. But there were a lot of people in the band who basically had no experience at all, and they were still able to join. So unless you live in a really small and isolated town, there's going to be some kind of opportunity available to you. You can use apps like Meetup. Sometimes cities will have subreddits where you can meet other people in your community. Facebook groups are another one. And I would also just ask people, ask anybody. If you hang out at bars, ask the bartender, what's some cool stuff to do in town? Where do you meet people? What are some cool scenes? What are some other venues that have good shows or that have other cool events that I can check out? A lot of people will be happy to recommend the stuff that they really enjoy, and you'll almost certainly find some overlap somewhere. So having a way that gets you out of the house and which puts you in the path of meeting people you don't already know is a really great way to create a reinforcing cycle of social engagement. So if you have a few close friends that you hang out with and you basically just keep getting together with only the same people, that's fine and that can be a really great way to go deep with people. But if you're never putting yourself in situations where you might meet new people, then you may become overly reliant on just a handful of relationships. And if those relationships are struggling or if they fail or someone moves away from town, you might find yourself back to square one. So I always encourage people to put themselves in environments where you're forced to meet other people, whether it's trivia night, dancing, maybe like an 80s night or a 90s night at some local bar, just anything that gives people an excuse to get to know each other. And the best combination is going to stuff like that with friends, because then you get to deepen your existing relationships while also being open to new relationships. And it's a lot easier to meet people when you already have friends. 
this kind of leads into my next point, which is I would always be looking for more opportunities to involve friends. If you enjoy working out or fitness, invite someone to do it with you. I have a bunch of friends who enjoy rock climbing and they'll often go together and that's like a nice social touchstone. They see each other regularly and it's a cool thing. If you're really into gaming, I would encourage game with other people. You can join Discord communities. Even if you don't know anyone, there's usually a way that you can meet somebody and at least just get something going. I also think that men need to get better at inviting their friends to do mundane things or just hanging out with other men in very casual environments. So just things like going out to get dinner together or doing chores together. Again, this is something that women tend to be better at doing. And I think that it's a really good way to deepen friendships and to make them feel more structural. Having a friend that you see once a week when you both get dressed up and you go out to a club or something, that's one kind of a relationship. But having a friend where you've cleaned each other's houses or you go and pick up some takeout and you get some for your friend as well. And then you come home and you just watch something or you just eat your food together and talk. These are really the deepest kind of relationships. These are the kind of relationships that build the most intimacy. It's when the normalcy of your life becomes involved with the normalcy of somebody else's life. These relationships tend to be less performative. They tend to be less contextual on one particular activity. In these kind of relationships, you're more likely to meet other people in someone's life that matter to them, like their housemates or their partner or their family, their children. And that in turn only serves to make the relationship richer and to reinforce the connection. So that's really what we're going here is building intimacy with people in very normal and organic ways. And what I find is that when you build a very normal kind of intimacy with someone, then it makes some of the more exceptional or standout intimacies easier to have. So when you see someone very regularly in a very mundane context and you're having very day-to-day -day kind of conversations, it makes it a lot easier to say, I'm having a hard day, and then to get into why you're less likely to be putting a downer on someone's one fun night for the week, for example. Another thing that I recommend men do is to very consciously work on building relationships with other men. This is one of the biggest challenges that adult men face is building relationships with other adult men. And I think it's one of the richest opportunities for relationship growth that exists in humanity today. So lots of towns and cities, especially larger ones, will have open men's groups that men can come and visit, and I really highly recommend men's groups. One of the very first episodes I recorded was called Men's Groups, Why They're Critical to Everyone's Well-Being. And I think this is a great episode to listen to if you're at all interested in the idea of a men's group. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But men's groups are a great, safe, and non-judgmental space to show up, to bring your vulnerability, to work on skills, to talk about and maybe even commiserate with other men about normal challenges that men face. And oftentimes from being in a men's group, you can start to build relationships that you can take outside of the men's group that can become personal friendships. So I can't say enough good things about men's groups. If you're a man who's really struggling to make friendships and you're really feeling isolated and you don't know what to do about it, joining a men's group can be a really great first step. And oftentimes that can help you to build the social skills and the relationships that might help you to achieve other things in your life. You can also find other men's focused groups on Meetup, for example. 
One thing I recommend people do is start calling people more. I know that phone conversation is kind of going out of style, but I really recommend trying it. It's likely you have at least one person you know who enjoys phone conversations. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's someone else in your family. Calling is just a really easy way to maintain a connection without having to go to the trouble of leaving your house or getting together with someone. So I recommend trying it out. You might be surprised who in your circles is excited to have a phone conversation with you, maybe even regular phone conversations with you. Family is a great place to start, especially if you're on good terms. There's usually someone in your family who's interested in talking to you. And I'm going to give you a little bit of advice on how to have a good conversation here. And this applies whether you're on the phone or in person with someone. But a lot of what we're trying to do and the skill set that we're trying to build with all of this is in relating to other people. So a lot of men struggle because they don't have the soft skills. They struggle to relate to other people. So I'm going to give you some tips because I really enjoy conversation and I think it's one of my skills. So the first most important thing to do in conversation is ask questions. You want to ask questions that you're genuinely interested in hearing the answer to. And the good thing about this is you get to decide. When you ask a question, you're the one who gets to decide what question you ask. So even if there's someone, maybe it's your boring aunt or something and you don't really enjoy talking to her very much, but you can just focus on the things that you are interested in. So ask questions. Once you ask a question and someone starts answering the question, listen to them. It's surprising how many men are bad at this, just simply listening. Listening means actually focusing on what someone else is saying and trying to understand where they're coming from, building an image in your head of the story they're telling instead of just waiting or formulating the next thing that you're going to say. A lot of men are fixers or feel pressure to give advice. And advice is kind of going out of style. It's really not the best way to approach a lot of conversations with people. A lot of people, if they're talking about some challenge in their life, they just want someone to listen and they'll usually kind of figure it out on their own. And then if not, they'll usually ask for advice. If someone really wants advice, they're definitely going to ask you for it. So working on becoming a better listener is a really excellent way to build relationships. I can't recommend that enough. One thing I would avoid doing is some people pick up that asking questions is a good strategy and they just machine gun them off, you know, just clarifying question, follow up question, clarifying question. And the conversation just becomes this kind of one sided or lopsided interaction where one person ends up feeling kind of interrogated or like they dominated the conversation. And it's often not a good feeling. So once you ask a question, I would just try to really pay attention to where is this going? How can I listen to this and then throw in something that feels helpful? One thing I definitely encourage you to do when you're having a deeper conversation with someone is do be honest about how you're doing. Be vulnerable about your life. Don't sugarcoat things. People don't like having fake or false conversations with other people. Even if it seems like they do, they really don't. People would much rather you just be real with them. And if you're talking with someone who just can't handle any amount of realness from you, you're probably not going to have a good shot at having a really deep and intimate relationship with that person anyway. So that might be a sign that you don't want to invest as much time in your conversational relationship with that person. So tell people how you're doing, but be careful about how deeply you go into it and how heavy it is. Because while people do want to know how you're doing, they don't want to be bombed or they don't want to be trauma dumped on. They don't want to feel like you're unloading your dirty laundry on them. They don't want to feel like they're suddenly your therapist. 
And so a good rule is to talk for just a few minutes, introduce something. I've been feeling this challenge in my life. I'm having this challenge in my relationship. These are a couple of the feelings I'm having about it. Here's what I'm trying to do. And then you can just say, what do you think? Or you can just kind of leave an opening. And if someone seems really genuinely interested in continuing to talk about it, then you can continue. And if they don't, or they try to change the subject, then you can just take that as a cue of, okay, I said enough on that topic and we don't need to go into it. Another thing I encourage people to do in conversation is to be real, have your own opinions. It's okay if you disagree with someone. It's okay to say, I disagree with you, especially if you do it in a nice and respectful way. You know, you can keep smiling. And especially if you're a good listener, if you have demonstrated to someone that you've listened deeply to them, but you disagree, people are more likely to feel safe in the disagreement because they know that you've made a good faith effort to see where they're coming from. But again, a lot of men are taught by dating coaches and stuff that disagreement is a way to establish some kind of dominance or a way to create some kind of dynamism. Either it's asserting dominance over a dating rival or it is demonstrating to a potential partner that you have the quality of assertiveness. And this is not at all what we're trying to do. People on some level can always pick up on if you have an ulterior motive or if you're full of crap in some way. So keep it authentic. I think the real message by behind all of this is be authentic. A final tip that I want to give to men for growing their infrastructure and diversifying their relationships is just continue to be on the lookout for opportunities to connect with new people. So sometimes there'll be a local festival or a fair or a market, a swap meet, maybe like some traveling carnival or something that comes through town. And these are great things to go to, to just mix it up and just be on the lookout for maybe someone's wearing a shirt of a band that you like, or maybe someone's doing an activity that you enjoy and you seem to be kind of vibing. And, you know, that's a way to strike up a conversation. And the worst thing that happens is you try to strike up a conversation and someone's not into it. Maybe they're even a little rude to you. And that's fine. That's just the way that people are. The more you get used to trying, the more resilient you get to it not going well and that being okay. So these are just a bunch of tips to try to help you develop some of those soft skills that are required to form really healthy and resilient relationships that can support you in times of need. The more that men engage in this stuff and the less that they lean on women in their lives and other people in their lives to fulfill these roles, the more well-rounded men become and the healthier they become. There's a final thing I want to say on this, and that is that men are really needing a larger movement right now, a larger idea, a larger mission to plug into. It's gotten to a point where there are enough men having enough of the same kinds of challenges that we need to see more institutional and academic and scholarly movements towards meeting the unmet needs of men. When I'm doing this work, I'm often thinking about an inspired by the feminist movement, because while that movement has been through many iterations and has had some more productive and some less productive expressions, the overall result of that movement has been a profound change in the lives of so many women. 
And it has opened up so many opportunities for women to know themselves better and to be healthier and to feel good about themselves and to be empowered. And I believe that men are needing their own version of this movement. I think men can learn a lot from feminism. Feminism has a lot to offer men, and I think a lot of men don't realize that. But I also see a need for men to have their own process, their own application of self-inquiry, self-empowerment, self-care, and self-advocacy. There are a number of ways in which society at large at the moment is not serving men, and that needs to be addressed. And men need to empower themselves to do the work of closing the gap, to make their lives healthier and more responsible and richer and more fulfilling and less lonely. So we need to see institutional initiatives, we need to see educational initiatives, cultural initiatives, local initiatives. It's not enough for men to just listen to this podcast, listen to other podcasts, read some books, and also like sit in a corner and think about how bad they've been. The kinds of programs and institutional shifts that feminism has brought about should serve as a blueprint and inspiration for what needs to happen with men as well. Men need those kinds of shifts as well. They'll look different and they'll focus on different things, but there are a lot of existing models and existing initiatives that have been very successful that I think could be repurposed to help men as well. So part of my mission with the work that I do is to contribute towards what I think of as men's work or the current iteration of what people have called the men's movement. So men do need some kind of movement. It needs to be national. It needs to be global. It needs to be something that more men are thinking about and putting work towards, putting scholarship towards, putting organization towards, and making local manifestations of systems that can support men. So I think until this is happening in a more concerted way, men will continue to struggle regardless of what information there is out there, regardless of what self-help books there are, regardless of the things that men are already trying to do to make their lives better. We need to get plugged into something bigger. Thanks for joining me for another episode. And I really encourage you to take some step, just even one thing that you heard on this podcast that inspired you to make a small change in your life. Just start taking those steps. They all add up and over time, they make a really, really big difference. Take care out there and I hope you'll join me next week.